There we go. Welcome to Long Ash Podcast. Nick Labretti here, Secret Chris over there. Um, today we are smoke. We got our coffee. We got our afternoon coffee. Yes. It's trying to just get through the day, man. One sip at a time. That's all you can do. And I'm also doing the intermediate fasting now. So I'm starving. <laughs> I don't understand what I. I don't know. Maybe one of you guys or you can educate me on that. The benefits of it is it help you lose weight. Oh yeah. It's, Do you, you only eat between noon and eight o'clock during the day? Yeah. At night, I mean. Yeah. Um, so you go from not eating anything until almost 16 hours? Yeah, I have to do mine a little bit differently, though, just because um, I'm doing like these hard workouts in the morning and you need like a little food in your system for energy. So I'm going to, I bought like a big bag of beef jerky that was way too expensive, by the way. This, and this is going to get a whole episode. Beef jerky is the most, it's delicious, but it's the most, I think it's the most overpriced item in the world. Yeah, I think we've talked about that before, actually. I feel like it's the same thing. I don't, I don't, I'm not a, the biggest fan of beef jerky. You don't like beef jerky? I like it, but I've never gone out and bought it for myself. Um, but every time I've had it, I'm like, man, because like, they do different flavors you now You just had and others everything. bring it to Well, you have like, others like, hey, you want some beef jerky or if beef jerky's never really at a party. But if people have beef jerky at the house, then yeah, I'll I'll have some. That's a thing where it's like if beef jer- if somebody has like a bowl of beef jerky at a party, it's a good idea, but it's also you should probably leave that party. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah, one of those things it's where it's, it's, it's clever, but it's yeah. also like this is strange. I feel like it's a party you don't want to be a part of. I feel like this guy is going to talk to me a lot about you know Andrew Tate. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like this guy has some very yes. strong opinions yeah. on masculinity. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but what does it do for you when you work? Like, is it help you out after your workout? What? Having beef jerky. Oh, no. So you need like food before yeah. you work out. And I even noticed that when I was training for my half marathon is I was struggling to hit like three miles. Like it was a struggle. And I was doing that for like two or three weeks just trying to hit my three mile goal. And I was I would do it, but I was like way too tired. Yeah. And then my brother was like, are you eating anything beforehand? And I'm like, no. He's like, dude, have like a, a couple M&Ms or like a little, a couple like pretzel sticks, like the thin ones. Yeah. And I did that four miles, week and a half later, six miles, week and a half later, eight miles. Like I was able to start increasing it because, and then when I was doing my longest runs, I would, I plotted out like my route. I know like around town where I would run and I would drive before my run and I would put like, you know, three or four M&Ms and a mini bottle of water here, three or four M&Ms over here. Um, and it just really, it gives you the energy. That's what you need. You need food in you to, in order to work out. So I, I'll have like a few little pieces of beef jerky before the gym, but in terms of like meal meals, yeah, yeah it'll be, I have lunch and dinner. Um, still got a lot of tall Ryan is just getting mad at me for not making, he's like, your boxing is getting so much better. And like, like you're not losing any weight. And I'm like, I like chips and there's Reese's floating around. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of goes to show you, like, I don't know, like, some of these athletes I think are just, like, freak of natures because, like, they can eat whatever and they still, like, look really well, like, really good. And, and Well, if I was doing the amount of working out that Ryan was doing, I could certainly, like, eat some more shit than – than because Ryan also, like, I don't really drink. Ryan drinks. So he's able to, like – but that's, like – and then he eats, like – pretty clean yeah um, my thing is people who they're not like super jacked they're like average body but they don't do anything and they eat like garbage all the time and they just get to maintain dude you get to maintain average all the time that's that's yeah. the luckiest one 
That's the luckiest one. Because nobody is jacked without putting in some kind of work. But the people who have just average body without doing anything and they're just eating pizza and sandwiches yeah. all the, Dude, sandwiches used to be like when I was a kid, like, oh yeah, you have like a sandwich for lunch. That's like a normal thing. Well, that's because everyone when I was younger, all the dads were like construction work or like doing this thing. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm like, oh yeah, I can't have a sandwich during this. I can't have a sandwich once a month I can have a sandwich. Yeah, last it's week crazy. when I had those two slices of pizza, it just took me out. Yeah, dude. So I mean, you just mm. having like a carb, a heavy carb load during the day is really not. I had the a best. like a going away meal on Sunday. My aunt and uncle were visiting my parents and the next morning I was sluggish at the gym. It was bad. I was, I was not doing well. And he's like, dude, what'd you eat yesterday? And I'm like, I'm going to be honest. I only had one meal yesterday, but I'm like, it was just bread and ravioli. Cause I made the breads with the ricotta and the fig jam, like the toasted yeah, breads. Yeah, yeah. It was just that and ravioli. That was my whole meal. Was he pissed? Yeah. He was mad. Well, that's when we started. Now we have the wager going. Um, so for every, I lose five pounds by Friday. Cause then we're going to get, we have a little party, me, him, and uh, our buddy Louie. Gonna, you know, take some candies, if you will. Nice. Order some Chinese, and then we're doing Terminator 1 and 2, because Ryan hasn't seen it yet. He hasn't seen Terminator 1 or 2? He might have seen 2, but he definitely didn't see 1. Now, 1 is actually, honestly, 1 is the one that most people haven't seen. Because that was a weird sci-fi horror. It was in the 80s. It was popular, but 2 was like a big blockbuster action Day? movie, yeah, yeah. you know. So we're going to do that, but I have to lose five pounds by Friday. And every pound I don't lose, I pay him $10. And then every additional pound after the five that I, if I lose, so if I lose seven, he pays me $10 a pound. Okay. So. Um, How much are you down? I, I'm not going to weigh myself till Friday, but I'm just, okay. I, I'm working out. So even on days he doesn't, you know, cause he travels a lot for work. He works in uh, wet heat, sells wet heat units, WHUs. <laughs> um, oh no, on the days I don't, uh, that he can't go to the gym with me. I'm going like I went today by myself, did some stuff. Do you wear trash bags or like are you not trash bag? I I did that in high school to get down to a certain weight. Oh yeah, yeah. So I told wrestlers that, all did that, but for basketball me, I did that. He told me I can't weight cut. Like I can't like oh, do, okay. I can't because that's like a because if I so did what, that you, even if you wear a hoodie you don't sweat more. No, anything? I do that, but it, like there's because like, we he's my MMA guy, so he's yeah. the one who got me into UFC. And they're like he's like you can't like take off Friday and like go sit in a sauna all day. Like that's not yeah. because because the minute you drink some water Friday night, you're going to balloon back. Like it has to be like a natural weight loss through not eating a lot and through exercise. When do you, uh, so fr Friday afternoon, how is, much you can lose weight sitting in a sauna? What? Cause you're just sweating the entire fucking oh, yeah, oh, that's how they do. That. So dude, if a fighter, you only have to weigh the weight of your weight class at the moment on your weighing in, which is the, the day before the fight. So like Friday morning, they'll do the weigh-ins. So if you're fighting for 205 pounds, and you get you get a, a, a one pound. So if you're two two oh six, it still counts. Yeah. Those guys walk around at two thirty, two thirty five. They'll lose weight during their training camp, but they'll probably go into a weight cut like ten or fifteen pounds over, like on Wednesday. And then Wednesday, Thursday, and like Friday morning, they just dehydrate themselves. They do saunas. They do all this shit, and then they'll d two oh five. The rest of Friday, they'll like drink water and rehydrate. And then when they walk into the cage on Saturday, they'll be like 220, 225. Jesus. Well, they do it. It's almost like sanction. Joe Rogan always said it's like sanctioned cheating because you're not actually that weight. So a guy, like, a guy who walks around naturally at 205, he would probably fight 185. Okay. Because you do that to make the weight, but then 
when you hydrate back up and you're bigger, you have like a height and weight advantage. So like Dustin Poirier is one of my favorite fighters. He fights at 155. He walks around at like 185. But if he fought at 185, he'd get destroyed because those guys are huge. They're like yeah. three or four inches taller than him and they walk around at two, tw- it's, it's too big of a thing. So the, you people, a lot of people, co- now heavyweight, that's just what they weigh. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's just what, Francis Ngannou is just 265 pounds. He's not, he's, actually I've heard he had to cut too, but he's just a massive human being. But, so that's what, we'll see what happens for, uh, for Friday. Yeah, I can't wait to hear next week what the... Yeah. I, I hope that the one meal on Friday, I am going to go crazy. I'm going to get like the boneless ribs and I'm doing <laughs> yeah. the whole thing. And you know what Ryan thinks of uh, the Terminator series, like the Terminator 1 and I think he'll like it. He loved Big Trouble in Little China. I okay. showed him that. Um, the f- other time we we had our little get together, we did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but we were yeah. really... And he told me afterwards, he's like, I didn't know we were watching a movie. I thought the whole thing was a commercial. He's like, I thought it was like a two and a half hour commercial. <laughs> Because it's very like Hollywood. It's yeah, like a very yeah, Hollywood yeah. movie. So they have like these little yeah, off yeah, things. Yeah, it's just a very strange movie. I, I love it. But he was, so he thought he was in a commercial the whole time. So Terminator, you should be good. <laughs> Tall Ryan. Does he like action movies? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, me, him, and, and Louie, we're all uh, action. Yeah. We were going to do some of the Rambos. But I was going to, I was told Louie, I'm like, oh, maybe we'll do like Rambo two and three, like the really action yeah. ones. And he's like, oh, but I haven't seen the first one. I'm like, well, watch the first one now. It's a great movie, yeah, but it's like yeah. more of a drama with yeah. some action elements. So yesterday he watched one and then he watched two and then he watched three. And he's texting me. He's like, he's got a bow and arrow. And I'm like, yes, he does. He's got a bow and arrow. Those, um, those are good ones. Yeah. So today I thought it'd be a fun topic to discuss. Um, and we're not going to get to the, there's not, there's not an answer to this. I think it's very... Um, uh, what's the term I'm looking for when it's uh, like everyone has their own opinion of a thing? Um, I can't think of the term for it, but it's uh, subjective. It's subjective. Very, very okay. subjective. But I want to discuss the term boutique cigar um, because I feel like everyone, I feel like it's hard to put a a, a definition on it that if somebody outside the industry asked you or, or, and he had to like really explain it in detail. I think it'd be tough. Uh, I think it'd be tough to do that, but I think people who are real cigar smokers, manufacturers, like anyone who's really involved with the cigar industry, there is like a, there's, it's more of a realm than a, than a distinction. Okay. Cause I feel like there's some companies who can kind of walk in both worlds, but in my mind, a, a boutique cigar, it, well, it's definitely not mass-produced, but that's any premium cigar is not mass-produced. Well, it also depends on what your definition of mass is. But it's not like a machine-made where there's like 10 million of them a year. Uh, but, see, it's it's more like, uh, this is, this is going to sound so Gen Z. I feel like it's more of a vibe. <laughs> what do you mean by more of a vibe? Like, uh, so, for example... I think if you were, if some people were to say that AUSA is a boutique cigar company, I think you get some pushback on that. They're a, a giant company. They're a legacy company. They're you know they're one of the big four. Um, and so I, you know like I don't think Monte Cristo White is a cigar that would fall within the realm of boutique, and I think most people would agree with that. But something like the H Upman One Seventy Fifth, I feel like straddles that line of of basically. Uh, a boutique cigar smoker would enjoy this. Maybe it has more to do with the blend 
than necessarily the company making it. So it's hard. The definition has definitely changed over time because when it started out, I mean, I would say in terms of the American cigar industry, Fuente was the first one that was seen as boutique. Um, the Hemingway series, the Opus X, obviously, then Ashton to a degree was kind of boutique because they were they were not these mass produced ones and they weren't legacy companies. You know, they weren't obviously Cuban. This is now the 1980s. But they weren't like your Macanudo or your Monte Cristo or your H. Upman. They were boutique. They were like a small, you know, Padron at that time as well. Smaller manufacturers, artistic, you know, a, a very specific style, yeah. you know, very stylized as well. But I think that the, and then, then during the 2000 and, you know, mid to late 2000s into the 2010s, that's when I think you had a much clearer definition. That's when you have Tatawahe. That's when you have Crown Heads, uh, Warped, Roma Craft, you know, these foundation, these guys. But I think recently, the past few years, we're starting to see, like I said, we're starting to see those lines blur a little bit. Because, like I said, I think people who smoke boutique cigars, I think they would definitely, if, I think, like I said, an H. Upman 175th falls into the realm of what I would consider a boutique cigar. So that's why it's hard for me to put a definition on it. Does it, is it the branding of it? Does it have to have very specific stylized branding? Does it have to have a certain kind of blend? Does it have to be a certain price, a certain quantity? You know, is, yeah. is Davidoff boutique? So I think people can argue that they're the most boutique and people can argue that they're not boutique at all. Because if you think of a boutique, think of a boutique, you know, which, uh, my understanding is like, you know, a, a specialized mm -hmm. shop, you know, and, you know, th or think of like the fashion houses, like, like couture, yeah. that kind of thing in fashion where it's like, you know, a manufacturer and it's like very specific kind of one-off creatively kind of things. So think of like a boutique like that. I mean, Davidoff between their limited editions, the, their, the luxury they espouse, you know, very much fall into that realm. On the other hand, they are a giant company. Yeah. See, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't peg them as, as <clears throat> boutique. I feel like boutique is more, no, I wouldn't say like underground or like, maybe I might be wrong here and please let me know if I am the, like the, like black work studio, like, like, um, black label, tra black label training company. Um, those, that seems to me more boutique, like it, it, in the terms of just like, not a lot of people know what it is, right? Like that, that's my perception of it. Is that fall under it or not? Or is it, or well, is like, this is, well, this is where it gets, this is where those lines blur. Cause if you look at Drew Estate, Drew Estate was a boutique company, you know, Liga Pravada was, yeah. was, is definitely considered a boutique cigar. And then they just got so big that now they're. Yeah. So would you, you know, would you consider them boutique now? And if the answer is no, it's like, all right, so do you size out of it? Like what's, yeah. what's the characteristics that you size out of it? I and if it's, I, yeah. if it's yes, if they, if you could still consider them boutique, it's like, all right, well then. That's a part of their, a part of the time that they were a, like when they first started off, they were boutique. Then they went to, I guess, more mainstream. You can compare it to music or even for like a while. I know I always compare things to movies. Like Ryan Gosling was not always an A-list, was not always an A-list movie star. Right. He did a lot of independent films and then like 
I want to say 10, 11 years ago, he just blew up and like now he's Didn't like. Did he do Bubble Boy? That was Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> who am I thinking of? No, That's who, Jake who, 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 which one's Ryan Gosling? Uh, notebook. Okay, um, yeah, 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 yeah. He was in Remember the Titans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in. Yeah. Remember, I always love those memes. It's like he might be a heartthrob, but you don't re, you don't yeah. remember how he was a liability yeah, at they, defensive they, back. They, they, they pulled him. They had to pull him. <laughs> yeah, for Turk. Yeah, for Turk. Um, <laughs> yeah, for Scrubs. <laughs> But yeah, so I kind of always assume boutique is more like not like the underground of cigars. Like, I, is Crown Heads boutique? I would say so. Tatuaje, definitely. Yeah, like I just think it's those. I think when I look at boutique, it's like the cigar like lovers, like people who smoke cigars on the regular, like know all these types of brands, like even ones that were released 10, 12 years ago. Like you know every cigar, like. You know a lot of cigar information. You see a lot of people online who are like that. But then I'll, you know, like some of my friends who are like, hey, Chris, I don't know what, like just, just the casual smoker, I guess, right? I don't think casual smokers necessarily know like the deep cuts. I think I always equate boutique with deep cut, like, you know, just deep cut in general. Right. So that's kind of what I look at, like, you know, the Illusione and like all those guys that were on that magazine cover mm -hmm. for Cigar Press. Like to me, that's like, that's the face of boutique in my opinion. But my thing is, is if you're comparing it to like a musical artist, we mm -hmm. always do movies. So let's, let's do music. If you make the jump, are you like, are you not considered part of that thing anymore? For example, Springsteen's first two albums. Um, it was Greetings from Asbury Park, Wild, the Innocent, and the E Street Shuffle. They have some like big hits on it. They were critically acclaimed, but like no one, they never got any radio play. Yeah. Nothing. So I would consider him like at that time, very low independent, profile, independent, kind of yeah. underground, you know. Then he comes out with Born to Run, and now that guy is one of the, the biggest so musical acts in, in yeah. world history. So do you leave, do you lose that label then? Because I feel like there's also things that are built for a commercial purpose. Yeah. Harry Styles did not start on the underground no. scene and like work no. his way up. He was like built in a, in like a, a yeah. record labels factory yeah. as like this superstar. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know too many bands, maybe bands I grew up listening to, Green Day, Blink-182, they had a few albums before that like, one album put them on the map. Yeah. So, you know, now they're mainstream. Are they not cool anymore? Yeah. But how many times, like how many bands did Green Day pave the way for Blink-182, you know, things of that nature. Like how many bands did Bruce Springsteen pave the way for? I think Bruce Springsteen will always go under like this hard, hardworking American, like, you know, people who are hardworking Americans, like love his music you know, so like it's blue always collar. for like the blue collar. Like I think he's yeah. always going to kind of like touch base on that. You know, Kevin Costner, I know although he's an actor, he falls under that line as well. You're never going to see him. Like you'll see him in, you know, shocked to see him in Man of Steel. But, you know, he's still going to. He gonna, died. Yeah, but he's still <laughs> going to be in those, those, those type of shows. So I, I don't, you know, for me, it's like I think once you're mainstream and it really depends on how you act when you're mainstream too. So like with these companies like Drew Estate or Davidoff, like when they did start off boutique and now they are now in the mainstream, like I, one thing I do enjoy about every time I go to a Drew Estate event, he does seem to always talk about like where he came from. I don't, you don't, I necessarily don't hear that a lot um, in general, like about like where you came from, like 
where you, what you, like what you owe the people and the things that brought you to this point in your life, like how you kind of like praise them and owe, like kind of like owe them, not owe them, right. but like. You, well, now objectively speaking, and this is in no way an insult to Drew Estate, but a lot of people, and I defended him, but a lot of people gave Jonathan Drew a lot of crap because when they sold the company to Swisher, that was like seen by people as like the ultimate selling out because they sold to a machine, yeah. uh, a machine made, like the biggest machine made company in the world. Like Swisher is huge in that. And Drew Estate, now I happen to know that it was more for like legal reasons. Yeah. You know, this was when the, there was the big fight, you know, that, and it started years ago, 2015, against um, flavored tobacco and infused yeah. cigars they decided to kind of align themselves with Swisher because Swisher has been fighting these fights before. They have the legal power mm -hmm. to kind of deal with it. So I think it was more of a strategic move and we than talk just like about, a selling out. But people gave him shit for well, that. You and I talk about, and, and Derek too, like on our other football podcast about, you know, championship, your name stretched yeah. in, in, in- Legacy in or money. Legacy or money. And it kind of, I think you can kind of, with Drew Estate anyway, you can think like- did they ever think that they would be in this position? And are you going to, you know, are you going to, are you going to stay and be this underground success? You know, but I, I, you know, I think most people, if not almost everyone is driven by making the most money they can. Like, why do we put in the hours we put in at work? Why do we, you know, why are, what's, I think money drives most of us personally. Yeah. I, you know, I don't really see that in the cigar industry. Um, maybe yeah. I haven't been around enough to, to not there's see definitely, it. There's definitely, there's, trust me, there's definitely yeah. people who they go for the money grab, but then there's guys like John or like Nick or even Steve Saka um, to an extent. Like Steve's at a point right now where he can literally put his name on anything and he'll know it'll get a high rating and he'll sell out of it immediately. Yeah. But he does put the time in to create a good product. Same with John, same with Nick. These guys could, and I guess maybe that is a characteristic that makes them boutique, is they could easily go for the easy money and do some do something. Yeah. But they like staying true to their roots. They like staying true to their, their kind brand. of creative yeah. tempo, to yeah. their brand. Um, you know, like, dude, how... Nick, Nick could have gone and been the master blender for, you know, a, a huge company and probably gotten paid in terms of like his salary. Yeah. Like a ton of money, but he struck out on his own and it was probably a struggle at first. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Canada, but I'm sure it was a struggle for a long time. Yeah. Um, cause for a while there, he just had Wawensei. He had one brand, you know, that was 2015. I want to say that came out. Now he's got a very solid portfolio and you know yeah. all this stuff. He's in a lot of stores. But that was a bold move. Um, now, does that make it boutique? I think Nick's style speaks for itself. I also think the, the, the leaving of Nick of Drew Estate is when, if you want to say Drew Estate transition, and I don't to do with Willie Herrera. Willie Herrera was a boutique blender when he yeah. was at El Titan de Bronze down in Florida. And I think he's still blends as if you know like that specialized you know specific mm -hmm. kind of kind of process but that kind of was the transition when nick left of drew estate from like this 
grunge street art, you know, which they, they, they still try to hold true to that brand, but they went from that style, like, uh, you know, on the ground gorilla style yeah. to a behemoth to literally the, one of the four, I mean, it's, I think it's the largest factory in Nicaragua now. They're one of the four largest companies at any trade show. It's them, Altadis General, and Davidoff are the big, the big four. Mm-hmm. So, but do do they get their boutique card revoked? Now, I just want to say this as a kind of a not a warning, but like a just just, just get. I don't care, and I don't want people to be like, "Oh, you shouldn't be worried about that." I do want to oh, do yeah. the Michael Herklotz the, the zoom out. I'm just saying this is a very common term. Um, that that's used at a high level in the business of this industry. You know, people who aren't necessarily even involved in the the cigar part are like, "Oh, we should focus on boutique brands." We yeah. should. Well, what is that? Because, like I said, that's why I feel like it's a vibe. I feel like Justin could pick up a vibe on like what he feel like would be a boutique brand, and he's been doing this for what about a year. I feel like you could pick up if I, you know, like, hey, this brand, you'd be able to tell, like, yeah, I think that's that's qualifies. Yeah, I think it's more. It, 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 I hate saying that. Though. I hate saying it's a vibe. I fucking uh, yeah. hate that term. But it's more. I think you, you know, my perspective is you could tell what's more commercialized. That's what it is. It's commercialized versus not like commercialized versus like independent. And from my perspective, a good example is like you have. You know, the founder himself, like John on his on the Crown Heads Instagram, like promoting stuff, talking about stuff like it's a very DIY like mentality. Right. Versus a bigger company out thrown out there, I guess, like a Monte Cristo, where they're going to do glamour shots in studio with the voiceover, with uh you know That's you doing that. <laughs> Breaking the fourth <laughs> wall, but it's true. It's just funny that that was no, but I'm just saying like that's what they ask when for. Was like, they're doing these shots and filming these these videos. Well, and that's what they, not only do you do that, you do that. That's for what them. they ask us to do, and it's very. But I'm saying yeah, it's two you. different. It's two different yeah. things. But would right? you say that there are AUSA brands that qualify as boutique? What about that? Um, I think Henry Clay. Yeah, like the Henry Clay. I think Henry Clay Warhawk. I think any cigar that I don't know doesn't. When I equate Monte Cristo, uh, even now H. Upman Romeo, I equate it to um, conference rooms, Uh, uh, like you know, like big wigs, execs. Like I don't. I handed my stepdad a crown heads. I don't. I'm. I'm. I'm good. I don't. It's not. It's not in my yeah, wheelhouse. It's, it's like giving. It's like giving my dad so like a dogfish head. And yeah. He's like, I'm exactly. Man, exactly. You know. If you want to equate it to beer, so I, I. And it's nothing against like Crown Heads is not for like the execs or like foundations not for the executives. I just think it's, you know, and I, maybe I'm tooting our generation's own horn where we say like, we can appreciate all of it when maybe a man or a woman 20, 30 years older is like, I'm in my, I'm stuck in my ways and I'm going to just because I'm, you know, you can, Michael Jordan only smokes this type of Cuban, this, the, the, there's not the, the, like you're not broadening your horizon. So it's, but it's I a, think yeah. like there's certain brands that are for those people that don't want to broaden their horizon. To me, those are not boutique, but that's 
Chris Arangio's perspective. That's right. not. Oh, that's how you pronounce your last name. <laughs> that's not the definition of what it is. That's my perspective. I, yeah, you I know, mean, I I think think John, we're not going to get to a definition. I just want yeah, to. Have yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm just saying in general. I just yeah. think like John, Nick, Dion. Dion, definitely. Even Michael Hercotts, it's very DIY. Like you, they're running their Instagram. They're yeah. doing, they don't have other people like me. If you've ever seen Dion, they don't have a social media like team doing stuff for them. Now, granted, you know, I guess anything under Altidus or any other bigger ones have the employees to do so. They're very, they're corporate. I'm not they're, sure they're if they're corporatized. I'm not sure personally if John would ever hire a social media person because I think that's just his personality. He would hire me, but just so he can like keep me around and make fun of me. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just yeah. his personality. Every Friday he does a video. Like that's just him. And I think that's what he's doing a podcast now. Yeah, which I think idea. is awesome. Yeah, I wonder where he got that idea from. <laughs> Watching us. Yeah. But no, I, that that's my my personal definition. I think it's more, it's, I know I always, I know it's always, move, it's independent versus studio. That's how I look at it. Whether so, it be music, whether it be movies, anything like that. I think that's what, that's what I equate it to. So my, I'm not going to say pushback, but no, no, just open dialogue. Yeah, yeah. If you have a, let's, so let's equate, which was my idea for, that I told you before, I don't want to get too into it. I don't want someone to steal it. But let's equate a manufacturer to a production company. Yeah. And they make a you know, uh, so all right. So here, here's a great example. Um, what's the 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 horror movie? Um, uh, Paranormal Activity. Yes. First one, very independent. They thirty thousand dollar budget. I, I think maybe I'm not horror per se, a horror genre guy per se. That was very innovative too. No, the very I feel home like it was, movie. But I feel like it was uh, the Blair Witch Project is in a house. It, it, it yeah. was a found yeah. footage. Found footage, yeah. yeah. Um, but if we're looking at that and we're going to say that's a that's a boutique movie, low budget, unknown actors, unknown production yeah. company, yeah. but a cool, innovative concept, we'll say. Yeah. Obviously, the rest of them, you know, especially I think they're Bloomhouse. Yes, yeah. They're part of the machine now. Yeah. And they're just pumping them out every year. They make a cool $80 yep. million. So I guess my question would be paranormal activity one would be considered boutique, but would you consider the paranormal activity franchise boutique? So like the scream franchise is not boutique. No. That was, Cause that was Wes Craven. That was yeah. big uh, actors, big budget. Maybe I wouldn't because I think they made six or seven of them, if I'm not mistaken. And they all grossed a lot of money mm -hmm. and I, that's just, yeah, they just grossed a lot of money, but I didn't see all of them. So I don't know if their style kind of like remains the same. I think they just copied and pasted. Like, yeah, like, style. I mean, it's so interesting to see uh, like certain artists, like J. Cole, for example, to me, you would never really know. Is it just me or is he like super cool? I love him. Yeah. And you would never know that he's worth all this money because they're past the point of yeah. flashy clothes, flashy car, like, or they don't brag about right. it. Right. And I never want to speak on anyone's money, but I think in you order, in order to remain, to remain boutique, whether you started off here and then now you're up here, like, I don't know how Drew Estate was 10, 12, 15 years ago. If they've remained the same, like in terms of their, 
their attitude, their style. They didn't really like. Well, that's the hard. I think. I think they that's the really hard like, question. Yeah, they didn't bow down to anything. Like that's what I'm kind of like. That's what you know. That's where I think it's weird in the fine line of right. things. Personally. That's a hard question. And by the way, I don't mean to. We don't mean to harp on Drew Estate. They're just, they're just an no, excellent. Yeah, yeah. They're an excellent example of this concept because they stay true in terms of the brands they release and the yeah. style. But is that them remaining true or has that been commercialized now where like, they don't come like, commercialized. Like, yeah. Where Jordans were like this kind of underground thing. Everyone yeah. had, and now, and now look, there's movies now about it's just, Jordan. Yeah, now it's just like, and there's everyone, a Jordan brand challenge yeah. in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. I should not have Jordans. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm a, I'm a sucker for like marketing. Yeah. They pulled me in with the marketing. I was not on like the shoe underground where yeah, like, I yeah, know no. about sneakers. Not, so they just got me on that where yeah. I'm, where I consider like, oh, it's Jordan. It's like a cool, like not everyone has, like, I consider like Jordan's kind of like a boutique yeah. sneaker, yeah. but they're probably not. So was the theme and the brand or the brand identity, it's kept the same, but it's kind of been like, it's the same now because it's commercial. Yeah. Because okay. it's just like, oh, well, we got to keep it looking like this now because that's the thing. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good, yeah. And then it's weird when you see brands in and of itself. You mentioned Henry Clay, like the Warhawk. I mentioned the HMO 175th. I would say the HMO 175th is boutique. I would say the HMO 1844 Reserve, which came out after it, is not. Okay. I, you know, I would say the, the Romeo, they did some crazy Romeo in the humidor earlier this year, like last year, like oh, it was okay. a crazy expensive one. Oh, I would yeah, say yeah. that's kind of more boutique, but then you're, you know, the Romeo Nicaragua. But then again- What about the whole NFT thing last year? Oh, the NFT, that, I'm sorry. No, I know, I, yeah, I, I, I don't like them, but like, is that a boutique thing? Because not everyone- a, can afford it and not everyone's really into like not a lot of people are into it i want to explain one thing about the cigar nfts at least the ones i've seen specifically the little florida minicana one and i'm not saying go out there don't go out there and do them because abe from smoke in is doing one and he's awesome and i i, I like him and i would smoke in's a really cool company not to shout out our competition but <laughs> abe's a really good guy um and he, he's a he's a he has a respect for the industry and people respect him so nice. he's, he's worthy of that respect but the NFTs, I'm gonna again, I'm gonna use the Florida Minicana as my example here because they were like the first one. All that is, it's not like some weird special thing. It's a private label, like we get all the time from different companies. It's a private label, but you have to pay extra to get it. So normally how a private label works is we call up John, we're doing 50th anniversary. Uh, we want to do a special cigar. He makes Mother Church and we pay him for the cigars like we would anything else. He makes his profit. We sell the cigars for our price and then we make our profit. The NFT thing is essentially we made these cigars and they're very expensive. For this price, if you win the auction, you have the exclusive rights to sell it, but then you still have to buy the cigars from us. So the $100,000 or $200,000, it was an exorbitant amount, was just for the rights to sell it. Then you have to buy the cigars, and they only make them limited quantities. Now, once you pay that, you have the right to sell that forever. Yeah. But like to recoup that four hundred grand you just spent, unless you're upcharging these things at an exorbitant amount, is going to take you years and years and years 
Whereas if you just do a private label with somebody, you make your money back when you start selling it. And like when you, when you kind mm -hmm. of hit your, you know, when you break even and then everything else is profit. This is like, there's so, you're so much more, that's all these NFT is like, oh, you have the right to, for this. It was like the gold bar or whatever, La Florida Minicana. You had to win the right to sell it. And then only your store could sell it. I'm like, hey, that's a private label. It's not a new thing. Mm -hmm. It's just, you added in this other charge. <laughs> you added in this like to bear the right to sell it charge. I don't know what Abe's NFT project is. Um, I would guess it's something similar, but I don't know. I do think for brick and mortar stores, it's probably, it is probably worth it because it'll get you more foot traffic. Your name will be out. So yeah. even if it doesn't, it's not sales from that cigar, your name's out there. Oh, they're the only ones that can sell this LaForda Minicana. People go in the shop, they buy other stuff. So I do think for a brick and mortar store, it might have its benefits, but this is not, this one's talking about NFTs. It's Fugazi. They're all Fugazi. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, so, yeah, but like, I've only seen boutique companies who are doing, like, La Florida, I think La Florida Minicana would kind of be considered a boutique company. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, at least in my own mind, I just have an idea of like what, if someone said, make a, a page on the website that's only boutique cigars. I think I would have some choices in there that people would argue with. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I think the HM 175th. Um, I think like the Cohiba Spectre. Um, or or the, the Cohiba that they did at uh, El Titan de Bronze. I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head. What was the one that they, they just did? Um, oh, it's really good. I can't, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm blanking on the name. But I think that would be, now these are big brands. These, yeah. are, these are corporate brands. But there's a vibe about them, you know? And I think it has to do with the specific design. I think it has to do with the blend. I think it has to do with the factory. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of ins and outs. Uh -huh. But it's, it's, a, it's a concept that people talk about more and more. Oh, we want to do a boutique sampler. Well, what is that? Yeah. You know? If you want to stick to just, you know, the guys with tattoos, the, the John Hubers and the Pete Johnsons yeah. and... I want to say that the the companies that still lie within the boutique genre, but are the bigger ones, I would probably say are Crown Heads and Tatawahe Foundation and Dunbar, and shortly behind them, just in terms of like quantity. Yeah, I want to say the guys that espouse like a boutique cigar maker would probably be Robert Caldwell. Okay, yeah. Kyle Gellis. Yes. And Dion. These, yeah. you know, but it, it all comes down to semantics. It all comes down to what are, you know, what are your characteristics of that? And yeah. It's a very subjective topic. Yeah, yeah. and, and is, it, is it something that is even worth, like I wanted to bring it up here just to have the open conversation and let, let the fans know, but is it something that like we need to even talk about in the industry anymore? Can we just have cigar companies? Yeah. I think it's also, I, I th and this is always, it just goes hand in hand so well. The trajectory of the industries is spot on. If you're a newer cigar smoker listening and you want to have some kind of an idea of what we're talking about, craft beer versus not craft beer. Yeah. Would you say Dogfish Head is craft beer? I would probably lean towards mm -hmm. it a little bit. Just because of these other beer companies that are just massive, uh, you know, 
I don't. I don't really see. see. That's the thing is, if you're starting to bring size into it, Dogfish Head probably sells. I, think, I just think everyone knows Budweiser, Bud Light, Miller Light, Yingling. Like those are so those Yingling. Are all, Yingling was before like the craft beer boom in my in my youth. Yeah, and probably in your youth too. Yeah. Yingling was like the cool. It was like yeah. a crafty, and it's yeah. only available like on the East Coast. Yep. It was like. Yingling had a very boutique feel yeah. to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. What about, um? I just had another one. What was I thinking of? Um, uh, What the hell was it? Which, which Sam you, Adams. What about Sam Adams? They kind of run themselves. They have yeah. all these seasonal ones. Yeah. They run themselves as a boutique, but I think they're people massive. Who really in, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. I think people who really love beer love Sam Adams. You know, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily when i go out with my buddies and we're getting beer it's always oh you're a craft head you like going to like i don't mind going brewery. to breweries yeah you, I, lo you love it no, no i do it's and it started when i went down to when i was living in florida because they had that, that was the first time i ever when i when i so you went down really to florida became an alcoholic is what you're saying yeah yeah, yeah. never and that that part never left yeah um no but yeah i just i like the concept of it because it was you know, for breweries, you could bring your dog. There's games. You could bring food. There bring are like baby. a lot people do now. There are yeah. a lot of breweries now, you know? So what makes them different? You know, does it depend on, you know, like the one over here in Morristown, they play, they kind of placate their name of their beers off of like historical sites within Morristown. Right. That's, you know, you see that a That's lot. That's boutique as shit. Yeah, that is. That, and you're like, naming your beers after like- Like Fort No Nonsense. Yeah, or, like yeah, the, yeah. the street, two streets over yeah, from your brewery. Yeah, that's, that's super, super boutique. Yeah. And that's for the people within the town. Yeah. Um, would you say- That's almost like how it was back in the long, long ago. Before yeah. like mass commercialization and shipping routes and mm -hmm. trucks and everything is like you would have- well, Miller Lite, Wisconsin. You would yeah, have like yeah. a local brewery, and mm -hmm. like this is the, 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 this is made beer for like the local town. Um, I love so that. So it's almost during, going back into that. At the Budweiser factory, they give you like a, a beer or two to leave afterwards. I think that's mm -hmm. like when you do tours. I think that's interesting. Some breweries require you to do a tour, like a five minute tour, well, in yeah, order, a, that's which a legal is thing, yeah. yeah. My dad um, used to work at Budweiser back in the day. Yeah, you were, yeah, yeah, and then your your mom was uh, was it Nestle or Nabisco? Nabisco, Nabisco. Yeah, that they worked was for a, the worked. That must have been a, a great job. <laughs> well, no, no, so, no, my dad worked at Budweiser when he was like in the seventies, like yeah. way before he was. He was already he was like in law school while he gotcha. was doing that. Um, but yeah, dude, when my mom was working at Nabisco, that was a golden era. Can you imagine just opening a cabinet? You're a little imagine you're a little fat kid. All right, I don't have to imagine. It's the nineties. Oh, stop. <laughs> It's the nineties. You're you're seven, eight years old. Uh, getting you come home to, from school. Uh, getting ready to watch Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. Oh yeah. On, a, on like a fr <laughs> especially on like on a Friday yeah, afternoon. Because yeah, 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 yeah. for some reason, nineties parents, I don't know if this is still the way, but nineties parents like were super tough on you from like Sunday night through Friday morning going to school. And then like there was no rules on the weekend. It was no. like that you could do whatever you want. I'd opened, we had like the big cabinets in the kitchen, and it was just nutter butters, Oreos, <laughs> chips ahoy. Every kind of Ritz cracker. The good life. Oh, man. And then she used to, she still has it. She would get uh, Oreos, did like a special, or the biscuit that had like, um, you know, like the ceramic Christmas houses and yes. you make like a little scene. Yeah. Half of my, my mom has like a, it's like a village. I used to like, because uh, then she had like fake snow. I used to like put my tanks in there, but then it was like Battle of the Bulge. Um, but ha that almost the whole village is all like Nabisco. That's great. Yeah. So that was that was a golden time. Really quickly before we end, yeah. Allagash beer. 
would you say that's boutique or now it's because if you go into your liquor your local liquor store like and if it's there like that's where that's the fine line like you know there, I, that's why that's why i said i think it's i think it's more of a vibe mm-hmm. you can walk into any liquor store if you're a bourbon drinker and get a bottle of basil hayden yeah you can also walk into any liquor store and get a bottle of jack daniels which i know is not bourbon it's technically tennessee whiskey mm-hmm. or whatever but we're gonna put them in the same category for this but those two similarly priced yep. similarly available I th- Market, I would say marketed towards yeah. two different now people, the, I think. the deep deep bourbon heads would say Basil Hayden is not boutique but it's it's boutique I think for the common the ma- for the common person yeah. compared to a Jack Daniels yeah so but they both sell a lot now Jack Daniels probably does monster numbers compared to Basil Hayden but you walk in any liquor store you can get a bottle of Basil Hayden and like I said they're similarly priced Basil gives off a vibe though. Yeah. There's something about it that makes it seem more unique and more specialized and like, oh, we did the barrels and the whatever. So I definitely think it's an essence. Um, but my last question that we can end on is, are there going to be any more big companies? Now, not the, the ones we have now aren't going away. But will we see the emergence of a company that started out very small and boutique become a giant? The only one I can think of maybe is Aganorsa, mm-hmm. but they're already straddling that line because they, yeah. they have a huge operation. What about someone like Matt Booth in Room 101 getting acquired by Generals? Is, is that the right Yeah, but term? I don't know. I don't know if the... Are you talking about self-made? Like yeah, kinda, like a guy started oh, a thing man, and then he yeah. has his own. It's gonna have to be somebody with their own factory. Yeah. So Pete, even though Pete doesn't know those not the Tatuaje factory, yeah. he's related to the My Father family, so it's like also his his facility. Roma Craft has their own factory. Um, Agonorsa has their own factory. I think it really depends on the 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 company and like how if they want to think bigger and bolder kind of thing if they want to go that route yeah or if they are satisfied with where they're at now i guess my question would be like will the market allow for another giant with all the variety and how congested the industry is kind of feeling these days is there room for another giant who's going to come in and sell millions and millions and millions of cigars a year I personally think within the next decade, yes, I think we'll, mm-hmm. we will be seeing that because I just think this is a this is a industry that is forever changing, um, and it and we'll see like if there's a specific brand that just pops. I don't know if this would fall under this, but like hypothetically, um, Nick Melillo goes on Joe Rogan, and he just gets that mm-hmm. national wide like recognition. The problem there is, like I said, though, he doesn't have his own factory. So he oh, couldn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. he could, you know, he works so with AJ, d- works yeah. with Agonorsa. He couldn't True. be producing that. True. But I, it would be like if somebody like him or Michael Herklotz yeah. gets to a point where they're like, what about one of these guys more, who have their, what if, what if one of these guys' uh, kids? Yeah. What if they do, you know, you kind of, a few months ago with the Nepo baby type stuff, you know, <laughs> yeah. within the industry, within the cigar industry, what if someone kind of like, like an Alec and Bradley. Now, I wouldn't say they're Nepo babies at all, but like, what if they, like someone like them, well, that's branch out and then and then have the money to create their own factory and well, then do that. That's actually a great example, which we should have brought up earlier, is Alec and Bradley 
boutique. Mm-hmm. Alec Bradley considered one of the big ones. Yeah. So I think that's so a I great think, example. Yeah, I think in ten years it here. could possibly be if, if it, it, just depending on where certain companies want to go and if they have the money to build their own factory and then do that, I think that's when we're going to be able to see it. But right now, you make a good point. A lot of these boutique brands, a lot of the people that we do mention, they're I call it collaborating, but they're utilizing other factories and facilities. Right. To make their product, so I think you stop saying collaborating because John yelled at us. Yeah, <laughs> John yeah, hates yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything of that nature, I think. You, but I think in the next maybe ten years is is too broad. Maybe the next five years we could see it. It really depends on who's going to be making the bigger moves. So that that's that's a mm. good that's well, something to look out for now. Yeah. You know, so well, I, I leave it up to our fans to mm-hmm. to kind of kind of ponder. I th- um, again, I don't think that this is important to the enjoyment of cigars and now every time i talk about something i always have like michael herklotz like kind of yelling at me in the back of my mind being like <laughs> stop enjoy. worrying about this shit enjoy. but at the end of the day i also i i this this industry is my I job i think he would so appreciate I, that yeah, yeah i think it, he would it, appreciate it is my the job combo. so i, I yeah. have to look at this yeah. stuff as do you so but it, you know what is the definition of a boutique cigar Perhaps we'll never know. We'll never know. So uh, we'll leave it up to you guys. But thanks very much for listening. Make sure to uh, check us out on YouTube, Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, uh, TikTok. Chris and his crew have been doing some awesome TikTok videos. Thank you. Um, really, really, really funny. Um, but uh, yeah, make sure you're following us, You know, coming along on this journey with us. Uh, comment, like, and subscribe. And as always, keep them lit.